I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbaugh. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking Bat Books, which came out September 1996. However, Jason, it's a banner day at world's second finest because we're finally starting the world's finest. We've, we've, we're doing Bat Books and then we're doing Superman Adventures issue one came out this month in 1996. I'm so stoked to talk about it and we're going to continue to talk about Superman Adventures. When we started this, I was like, oh, Jason, you'll do all the Bat books, and then I'll do all the Superman books. And then I was like, oh my God, that's like 10 comic books. Like, there's there's (laughs) no way we can talk about that in any reasonable length of time. Yeah, it would would turn into one of those, like, you know how every once in a while, like, your YouTube feed will just, like, throw something in there from some super small channel? And like, I, I saw this one once that I think was, I was just like curious and I think they were talking about comic books, but it was just this like stream that was like four hours long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't, we can't make like these podcasts are long enough with our yeah. rambling and, and yeah, our vaguely incoherent me screwing up every single name we come across. Like we can't just add four yeah. more books on top of that. Yeah, well, and what people don't know is it's already like, you know, four to five hours of us recording and then just like a lot of trimming of the fat. A lot of editing. A lot of editing. Uh, The other thing is, it kind of breaks my heart that we're not going to cover the Superman books because we're going to be talking about um, Final Night, which is a part of this like DC tie-in with uh, Batman and Detective. Had like a little Final Night header on the covers for this month. We'll talk more about that in a second. But apparently after final night, Superman gets into his uh, blue electric powers suit. Oh, well, if, if, if you want, we, we, we might we might should do just a little little quick little, you know, I always wanted to read those. It always seemed like the biggest fucking swing ever that I was yeah. like, oh, they're bringing Superman. Oh, they killed him. He's back, and now he's an electrical man, and then now there's two of them. I don't know what's happening. You, and you know what? And now you're getting me wanting to read because I, I remember, like, like the the whole death of Superman thing, right? And like that was at like my my slow like nexus point of like decoupling from uh like mainstream books anyway. So I never quite like sure finished it and I was never like the biggest DC fan anyway. And so like, I never really like, I just knew that like, even when I was a kid, when he like came back fully, when Superman came back fully and it was, even when I was a kid, I was just like, this is very clear, uh, uh, Christ imagery. (laughs) Cause like, like the first (laughs) like view of him back is like the, the sun is in like a halo around him and he has shoulder length, long hair. coming to save humanity and i'm just like i'm like 12 or 13 years old and i'm like yeah this is freaking this is you're 13 and you're like this is a little heavy-handed for me uh, yeah 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 it's like guys i just learned what metaphors were like three years ago and this is just like hitting me over the head like well we're gonna put electric superman aside for us and messiah superman aside for a little while <laughs> while we while we talk about some bat books you want to get yeah, into the it re- the real messiah of the dc universe yeah the, wait no don't say that 
Nobody's the Messiah of the DC universe. We cannot have that on record. <laughs> oh, also, there's Amazon affiliate links below if you want to I, snag anything that we're buying or that we're talking about. And this show pops up on YouTube, youtube.com slash Nickville, although I've been kind of behind lately, but they'll pop up there eventually with a little bit of art sprinkled in. Yeah. With that out of the way, Yarp. Batman 536 is written by Doug Munch, penciled by Kelly Jones, inks by John Beatty, colored by Greg Wright, steps by Android Images, letter by Todd Klein, with edits by Denny O'Neill and associate editor Jordan B. Gorfinkel. Special thanks to Ray McCarthy on this issue. I don't know exactly what he did or didn't do, but apparently this issue got out with Ray helping out. So that was worth a mention. Because of the time it was, maybe he really had to like literally like book some like, I don't know, like original art or something down to the printer. Like just just like. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it might be like a special thanks for him running the package. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The cover is black and white. With a lot of zipatone in there. Uh, Batman's jumping in, getting the drop on Man Bat who's sitting on a rooftop. It's a beautiful cover. This is Darkest Night of the Man Bat, part one Predation. This is part of the final night tie in, which is when a character called Dusk comes to Earth and warns the Justice League that the Sun Eater is going to do exactly what it says on the tin and eat the fucking sun. <laughs> and That apparently, I guess, happens because this book kicks off and it's already been 27 hours of darkness. So we have perpetual night. The sun is gone. And then about to get eight. And in a set amount of days, it's also humanity is going to die out on the earth because we don't have sunlight. But anyway, right now, it's been 27 hours. The darkness compels man bat to do man bat things like breaking up a drug deal so that he could get to a cat and then eat it whole. And then Manbat after that, uh, and the drug guys like run away, Manbat decides to recover the drugs from the drug deal. And then he just eats a bag of cocaine. <laughs> I, I really thought when I turned the page after he did that, I was just like, are we going to find Manbat in front of like a typewriter, like finally writing out his script. And he's just like, <laughs> he's, he's gonna be finally, great. he's like, I got the time. I got the time to punch this, it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got the energy. I got so many great ideas. I'm going to take this to Hollywood and be a star, <laughs> man. <laughs> in an extremely moody Gotham PD, the drug dealer tries to report the sighting uh, of Manbat to Bullock, but Bullock shrugs it off. Batman was listening in and is on it. He finds his way to Batman finds his way to Langstrom's apartment. Langstrom is the man bat's human form. He finds Langstrom's wife on the ground attacked, but alive carved into the wall is I can't stop man bat. Meanwhile, eats a barrel of fish caught on the Harbor. Just went full ham on that thing. <laughs> uh, much That's to the chagrin that, like- of the fishermen who caught it. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, if 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 you want to be as big and mu- like ripply muscles as that's about as many fish as like you know the rock eats in a day. Like, I mean, man, yeah, that's yeah, pretty gotta, big. Like, you you need that lean protein, man. Yeah, lean protein, exactly, exactly. And I think that's how the rock probably eats them too, just straight out of a barrel. Straight out of a barrel. <laughs> Bruce, he, Bruce works up the works up an antidote to change man back back in back into just man. Batman breaks up a carjacking and man bat coincidentally swoops in and just like takes a guy. Not sure what the plan is there. 
Batman grapples the guy, saving his life, but Man-Bat gets away. Batman talks to the commish about it. Man-Bat is apparently going north. He's looking for easier prey. Batman is compelled to follow. Next issue, Pursuit to the North Pole. Jason, what did you think of Batman 536? Oh, God, I fucking love this issue. This was like, oh, this was Kelly Jones, like, firing on all Kelly Jones cylinders and just, like, a great, like, just a great characterization, too, of, um, of man bat, like just not really wanting to hurt people. Just always, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for like, you know, a monster who doesn't really want to hurt people like the, in the previous issue, you know? Right. Like, it's like, yeah, they're like, they're big freaky monster guys, but like, they, they don't want to hurt anyone. You know, they just, they just want their quiet revenge. They don't want to hurt yeah. anyone else. Like, yeah. The ape and yeah. the ogre. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, and it's just, this is kind of just this this giant eight foot tall mutant <laughs> man bat. It's just like just like just leave me alone, man. He's like I don't I don't want to have to eat you, but if you hang around, he said to the dock workers, he's like if you hang around right. for too long, like he's like I can eat this fish or I can eat you. You guys make the choice. Yeah, it's a total total like Hulk. Like you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Like you know, apparently you yeah. wouldn't like man bat when he has insatiable hunger, which is just any time it's night. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, but. I totally agree. The the Gotham PD was so fucking moody, just drenched in shadow the oh, entire yeah. time. Really beautiful environments made by Kelly Jones, which he doesn't really like. I was almost gonna say he doesn't really get into environments that ver- that often, but he does in really like odd ways. Like the way that he chooses to draw environments. Everything's kind of a little bit off kilter, a little bit yeah. odd, like it's uncomfortable to be in. And this was the yeah. same thing with the uh, Gotham PD. Also, the colorist, uh, Greg Wright, really nailed like they had like the warm side and cool side of like all of the characters within the Gotham PD. And it made it feel like a low light environment where oh, it's yeah. like it's just like I, perfect pitch. Perfect. This is how I want the uh, other than um, what was that very good goth Gotham Central um, other yeah. than Gotham Central. I want it to either be this or Gotham Central when it comes to the police department, either dripping in atmosphere or like very well rendered like office space that's clearly lived in. Everyone's overworked, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. Like a very like. um one of the great heist movies of all time, the taking of Pelham one, two, three, you know, like yeah. if, if no one's ever seen it, just watch it. Don't watch the remake, but watch the original. Uh, it just, yeah, just like the, 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 the way, like the control room and the taking of Pelham one, two, three of like, you know, the, all, all the trains and everything on the subway is just, it's like, yeah, this is where people work. There's like, cause it was the seventies. There's like ashtrays everywhere. There's like yeah. cups of coffee, right. like, people with their sleeves yeah. rolled up and like probably like, you know, dirty shirts and stuff like, yeah. And slept yeah. or showered, like smells terrible. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, and he, he must be, well, I don't know. He might, I, I love Bullock as a character and I do appreciate how it seems like no matter where I see him show up, 
And no matter who's writing him, like everyone just seems to like really get him as a character and like, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 He's easy know. to get like, yeah, he's, his note that he hits, he hits it hard every time. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He just plays the hits, man. You just got to play the hits with, right. with Bullock, right. you know, but it's, but it's always great. It's just always so, so much fun. Yeah. Bullock in this issue, like just spent. I don't know, two, three pages just rolling his eyes at a drug dealer as he tries to report a man bat sighting. And it's just it's very good all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did like the line where the um, what was the guy who was buying the drugs? And he was just like, I was just there to buy. And he's just like, well, maybe that's your problem. And that's he's just like, I hadn't taken them yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Bullock actually kind of looks out for the guy and gives him like a number for to get like some some help for his yeah. drug addiction which was like oh okay yeah, yeah all yeah, right that's a, that's a little, yeah he has a little bit of a heart you know like yeah all all, all made of uh just, was it in this issue or the uh or, or in detective where there was a line where he's like made of jelly donuts or something like that like oh god maybe it was detective i don't i don't remember yeah. that line yeah but yeah bullock bullock great character great Great issue, just man, Kelly Jones. Just I what, thought it was kind of kind of funny that so Batman had miked like Bullock's lapel so that he can kind of have like an inside voice in the police department. Yeah, and that was happening because Commissioner Gordon wasn't the commissioner anymore, and then it was Sarah, and then like. Commissioner Gordon was back, but he wasn't the commissioner. It was still Sarah. It was wife. And then like, so who didn't like Batman. So Batman needed a way in. So he like kind of like got Bullock on his side, but now yeah. we're kind of back to status quo. Like he has a conversation with commissioner Gordon on the roof at the end of the issue where he's like, Hey, where's man bat going? And he's like, I don't know, North. And then B- Batman's like, radio. So I, I kind of don't know why we're still like, putting Bullock on a hot mic, which yeah, by the way, listening to Bullock on a hot, hot mic all day is going to be a real treat. <laughs> I heard someone say, uh, a basketball player say once, cause you know how in, in games, uh, any sport, they'll sometimes have players mic'd up, you know, so they can get like, mm-hmm. just like in game, like footage, which I always find hilarious. Cause people are just like, I, I didn't have this realization until a while ago, but it's just like, Oh, the reason why they, whenever they show footage of that on TV, the guys are just saying like such innocuous things. And there's only like 30 seconds of it is because most of what they're saying is probably full of curse words. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah but totally. It, but, uh, but one of the, uh, I, I heard some players say that like, yeah, whenever they were mic'd up before a game, they would walk up to their teammates and like, let them know that they're Donnie Brasco that night. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm Donnie Brasco, Donnie Brasco. Watch out what you. <laughs> and I, uh, I always, I always like that reference. But yeah, so we're getting next issue in the North Pole with Man Bat, apparently. And uh, I'm excited for it. I hope Batman puts on some like Batman snow weather gear like Catwoman did for that one issue that Michael Ringo drew where she was like where she basically put on her new suit and then Robin saw it and hit puberty instantly, basically. Hi, (laughs) Miss Catwoman. Very (laughs) nice to meet you. So, so I'm hoping for an an equal moment where he sees Batman in snow weather gear, bulge pecs, everything ablaze, and he's like, "Oh my God, Batman!" You know, 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, um, yeah, I'm. To- it's totally. Uh, oh, geez, I don't know. I got some things to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it would be great. Perfect moment. I don't think that uh, Doug Munch is going to write that, but I can. I can only hold that hope at this point. No. Yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, j- just like uh, I, I, what was that website? Ao3. You could probably find something there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's not. Let's not go browsing the internet, Jason. It's a, it's a terrible place that only makes me more estranged from my wife. All right. We should get into Shadow of the Bat. Shadow of the Bat. Number 56. Leaves, leaves of Grass. Part one. Twin Peaks. Alan Grant is your writer. Dave Taylor is your penciler. Stan Woe is your inker. Pamela Rambo or Pam Rambo is your colorist. Android Images is separating those colors. Bill Oakley is your letterer. Jordan B. Gorfunkel is the associate editor. And Dennis O'Neill is your big guy editor. Turns out there's a drug war going on in Gotham. All over some cheap, powerful weed. (laughs) The times, how they change. (laughs) I have a lot to say about this when we get to it. (laughs) After a deal is interrupted by an attempted drive-by, Batman swoops in to save the dealer who was slinging that sweet, sweet jazz cabbage. While at the same time, he batarangs slash grappling hooks the steering wheel off the car that attempted to shoot up the alley. Batman interrogates the pot dealer who's supplying this new cheap and powerful stuff. Is it Victor Assetti? This is he behind it? This dealer doesn't want to deal any information you know in fact he's indignant all he's doing is providing a service supply and demand you know which is fair i guess you know is capitalism gonna capitalism well batman is more than happy to leave him up on the sky skyscraper gargoyle that he's clinging to leaving him to the fate of whoever just tried to shoot him up and he's like oh hold on a minute hold on a minute get back here of course you know the, the dope man is like all right all right all right That's, I'm, I'm, I'm not a tough guy do you like meetings because I feel like every criminal in Gotham could just be middle management at any corporation. These dudes <laughs> love their meetings. Okay. There's like, so many meetings. <laughs> Here we have a meeting betwixt the some The main reason level. to become a criminal is to never have to go to a fucking meeting. God yeah. damn it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 Johnny, two times. Did you, uh, you, you, didn't, you didn't hit accept when I, when I sent out that meeting in Outlook. It's, God, fine. we're setting up a zoom. We're setting up a criminal zoom. Yeah. We're just... Did oh you get the upgrade God. to your computer? You know, zoom is a memory <laughs> hog. We got you more memory. You need your memory. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. <laughs> um, on one side, we have uh, Victor Assetti's men telling these other goons that they got to start selling for their boss and they refuse. They refuse, and Assetti's goons are about to get down to cutting them up because they're like, well, we got to make an example. When who should show up but some twin scantily clad babes who want to join in on the fun. They like playing with knives, too. Pretty creepy, but kind of hot? Question mark. After doing some sick flips, they throw daggers straight into necks as they dodge bullets. As they hold down one of Assetti's goons, they tell him to pass a message on to his boss that the dealers are under their prote- the protection of Ava Green and Holly. Looks like they cut off an ear to send a clear message, which, guess that makes sense? I don't know. I don't know what, like, 
They could have just left a note, but like, what do I know about being a criminal? I'm too lazy for that kind of life. I don't want to do all these meetings and crap. Like, no. Yeah, you don't want to get in these meetings, Jason. Yeah, yeah, come on. In Arkham, we find Dr. Arkham apologizing to Poison Ivy for putting her in solitary, but she's just so damn precocious. She escapes every time she's given any kind of privilege. Now, he wants to help her work through her hatred of men. And she's like, hate men? I don't hate men i use men to get what i want oh and bt dubs here's a bouquet of flowers someone sent for her but there's no note and ivy's like yeah well flowers the flowers themselves are a note it's how people would communicate in victorian england each flower has their own meaning and she gave a flippant answer to what that meaning could be and the doc walks away in a huff way to stand up for yourself dude at Tim Drake's high school, kids are apparently just smoking weed out in the open. Nice little <laughs> after-school special we have here when young Master Drake just saying no. In the Batcave, Tim relays this encounter to Bruce, and Bruce is like, just turn them in then. And Tim's like, well, come on, they're just kids. I don't want to ruin their life over something like a little bit of pot. Like, all right, all right, Tim, that's fair. That's fair. We get a recap of Ivy's origin story as she's sitting in her cell, pining for daylight just as Dr. Arkham is figuring out that the bouquet was a message telling Ivy that she's going to get busted out of there tonight. And just then, the two scantily clad knife babes use some magic plant chicory to bust through the outside of Poison Ivy's cell. Which, little side note, this isn't in my script, but I have been thinking about it. How the hell did they get that close <laughs> to an outside wall <laughs> of a criminal <laughs> insane asylum? Like, I, you know... because. I, because they're the knife babes? I don't, I don't know. I suppose. I suppose. Assetti is trying to make a deal under a bridge, but Bats is there, crashing in to ruin their fun. As they scatter, Batman gives chase with the Batmobile autopilot, eat your heart out, Tesla. The empty Batcar plays a game of chicken with the goons trying to make their escape. All this death and violence over some weed? What the hell? Makes even Jim goddamn Gordon almost speak aloud how dumb and futile the drug war is. Almost. <laughs> almost. Yeah, almost. Almost. As the, as the knife babes leave, lead Ivy to an abandoned subway stop, she takes exception to being forced underground. She needs the sun, and she ain't gonna let two knife-wielding ladies in corsets tell her what to do. As she attempts her usual poisoning with her poison blood... She is restrained by vines whipping around her and holding her still. What the? She turns and exclaims, you? Who is it? Who is it? There aren't any more pages left. What the hell? What's good? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. That's, that's the end. That's the end of the end of the book. Ivy, Ivy gets uh, restrained by the person who had her busted out of the clink. And we're going to find out in Shadow of the Bat number 57. So what'd you, what'd you think, Nick? Uh, first of all, the tag on the end of this issue is next issue reefer madness, which is mm. fantastic. That's a yes. Plus. I, I, I should, should have, I, I did have a chuckle. I don't know why I didn't uh, put that in my script, but yeah. Um, also Tim Drake, uh, talking about kids smoking weed at school with Bruce Wayne in full Batman gear without his cowl on. And, and at the, the end of it, he's Bruce Wayne's like, have you ever been tempted? And he's like, no, but that doesn't mean I can report them. And I was just like losing my shit, Jason, hooting and hollering at this issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it did make me think of how like, especially that part, 
really made me think of how like we were like probably the last generation to have after school specials be a normal thing. Oh, you absolutely. Know? Like the one where the kid uh <laughs> did drugs but then talked to like all his favorite cartoons from Warner Brothers and Disney and it's just like I don't I don't think this is going to discourage kids from doing drugs, man. Like this <laughs> right. guy just did drugs and hung to... out with Bugs Bunny. Like Right. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds great. Like uh yeah, I remember uh the the drug ads that were like um the claymation the girl was named Penny and she had pennies for yep. eyes. Like those stick out in my brain as like the big like anti-drug thing that I would see all the time w- growing up. Um, yeah, well, because she was on Pee Wee's Playhouse, I think. I think she she yeah, did yeah, yeah. Uh, shorts on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um, but I'm also like reading this. So the crux of this thing is that there's like this new weed dealer in town that's dealing marijuana and yeah. or growing it. And it's twice as potent at half the price somehow. Yeah. And uh, the only thing I could think of was, I mean, you've seen The Wire, right? Oh, fuck yeah. So there's this there's this moment on The Wire where um, they're talking about how it's like cat and mouse game with cops and stuff like that. And, and Prop Joe is talking about how there's like one guy who's making money hand over fist in Baltimore and he never gets hassled by the cops. He never has any competition. He doesn't care about like whatever anybody else is dealing. And it's because, and they're like, how did he manage that? And it's because, Oh, he's dealing weed. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not, it's not heroin. It's not cocaine. It's not, you know, like any of these things that are like really evil. It's like, He's like right under the radar in like misdemeanors and shit like that. You know, like cops don't care about catching this guy. And so I'm thinking about that. And like the wire portrays, you know, drug dealing and everything in a. In a light that's like feels very accurate. I don't know if it's accurate, but it feels very accurate. Yeah. And watching the wire, I would say kind of ruins all kind of like cop. (laughs) stuff televisions like this this issue is ruined by the wire like they're murdering people over like a little bit of weed like if they were reputable drug dealers of any kind they'd be like "Eh, that's fucking fine like who cares yeah yeah well this was well you know this this was the 90s where like you know and 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 weed is still a schedule one narcotic according to the federal government it's on the same the federal government as as bad as lsd and as bad as heroin yeah. Well, I don't even think LSD is schedule one. Like cocaine isn't schedule one. Cocaine's schedule two. It isn't? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like it's 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 crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But I did it did make me chuckle a bit. The 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 Jim Gordon line really made me chuckle. I'm like, oh, all right. Maybe that's maybe that's the writer kind of like putting in the like because like, you know, it's yeah, a DC it. book and they can't like, you know, but they're just like, isn't isn't this kind of he, dumb guys over some weed? Right. He wants to like just just crack the door open for like, hey, maybe the maybe the drug war is kind of net terrible for everybody. Yeah, yeah. And same thing with Robin having the the moral quandary of just like, well, yeah, these guys are like assholes and they're idiots and maybe they shouldn't be doing that, but like I wanna like ruin their life over it. Like they're just kids. Right. Like, like right. sure it's dumb, yeah. but he's like they shouldn't go to prison for it. So uh 
Shannon and I are mostly Shannon, but I'm like sitting in on some episodes, um, watching, rewatching Parenthood, which I remember really liking back in the day, but it hasn't necessarily held up as well as I wanted it to. So Is I've been kind of in and out. Craig T. Nelson. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. He yeah, plays, yeah. I know he plays the dad. Um, yeah. they just had an episode where like one of the characters, these two characters are trying to get into this club and it's like uncle Crosby. And he's like in the rec in the music industry. He's got a little bit of weed on him and he's trying to get into the club and the, the guy and it's takes place in California. And the guy's like, no, 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 you can't have that shit in here. Like, yeah, you, you gotta like, uh, you can go in, but like, you gotta drop it off in. And then it's like this big to do, like he's trying to fight the bouncer, blah, blah, blah. It's like blows up. It's everything's dramatic in that show. Anyway, the point is this, in two years after they, they, that aired, they legalized marijuana in like currently you cannot run a billboard for cigarettes, but you can run one for marijuana in the state of California. Yeah. Because it, it's more safe than, than tobacco. <laughs> like it's, it's like, it's looking back at like how the attitudes have flipped so quickly is wild to me also also you know what's and i this just made me think it was very funny to me um so craig t nelson is in the show like he didn't have anything to do with that but he's like the patriarch in this show craig t nelson yeah. was also in uh poltergeist right okay at the beginning of the movie and this was made in the 80s by steven spielberg <laughs> at the beginning of that movie just it's kind of I guess it's supposed to show that like these parents are just kind of like really like liberal and like hippie. They're just casually sitting in bed smoking a joint, like very <laughs> obviously smoking a joint in this PG movie in the 80s. And it's like not made to like, you know, so like even yeah, even before yeah. it was made like what more widely acceptable, there were a lot of people who were just like, come on, man, come on. It's just a, it's just a little weed. It's not it's fine. Did you ever see uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story? Oh, hell yes. Many times. The the Tim Meadows. Tim Meadows, by the way, fantastic. Everything he's in always cracks me up. Legendary. Legendary, dude. There's that bit where Dewey Cox like opens the door and, and they're smoking weed. And, he, and he's like, he's like, oh, what are y'all doing? He's like, you don't want none of this. And he's like, is it addicting? He's like, it's not addicting. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. well, is it going to leave me hung over? And he's like, it won't do that either. He's like, you don't want none of this Dewey Cox. It's so fucking good, dude. Anyway, this issue is bonkers because it's basically dealing with marijuana in a way yeah. that treats it like fucking black tar heroin. Yeah, yeah. And so it's extremely enjoyable all the way through. And I, I really love the idea of Bruce Wayne, you know, in his 40s, Tim Drake, a teenager child who is financially dependent on him and like kind of like dependent on him for what he wants to do and him being like, have you ever been tempted? And it's like, what the fuck are you going to say, man? Like, of course, he's going to say no. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and. I, I and I, I just want to give a special shout to the to the artist though because like this like book was just like Dave Taylor like holy shit like it was the art yeah. was just fantastic like the really art, the solid action. figure work all the way through it was just very very fun 
Yeah. 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 I just wanted to make sure I gave a, gave a special shout to that. But yeah, the whole, I just, I just couldn't believe it was about weed. Like, yeah, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait for the next issue. Rarely do I get super excited about Shadow of the Bat, but I was reading this issue and I was hooting and hollering. Let me tell you. <laughs> uh, one, one other quick note. Um, the cover is by uh, uh, Duncan Figretto. And, Why do they uh, keep on forgetting to put the cover artists the past? Because they don't. Thank they don't you. put it in the credits. They don't put it in oh, the credits. I had okay. to like go hunt for this. The previous one I thought was. Um, I thought it was, uh, shoot. I don't know. But the previous one was, uh, John Van Fleet. Um, mm. I got it wrong in the initial podcast. It is John Van Fleet for shadow of the bat 55. So I guess they're playing with, uh, having other cover artists other than, uh, Critchlow and obviously still freeze did it for like the first 50 issues. But like now they're, I guess, rotating through a handful of people. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I know this is only 96, and I can't quite remember when Vertigo became, probably around this time, became, like, an actual imprint, you know, because, like, for the first, like, yeah. 10 issues or so of, like, Sandman and stuff, like, it wasn't, like, you know, sure. didn't have the, that label on it. But, like, I, I, I kind of always called this, like, the Vertigo effect, like, especially on DC books, where, like, you would just start yeah. seeing these random, like, more mainstream titles with, like, either a, an actual Dave McKean cover or like a ripoff of a Dave McKean, like collage cover. Right. Or right. Like right. Really beautifully like painted like thing, which like I, I think is great. Like I always like appreciate oh, yeah. a, like a great, cause to me, a great comic book cover is, is like a great album cover, you know, like it gets you yeah. interested and you're like, Oh, what the hell is this? I should like, what's going on in here? You know? Yeah. Part of the, part of the reason why this was happening was cause uh, printing got a lot better. Technology got a lot better just happened in the nineties. Like we talk about the jump from like regular traditional comic books to like digital coloring all the time on this show. And uh, yeah, it was a big, big step forward and you can see it continue. Like it starts here with like cover paintings that look like paintings that are paintings. Like people painted a, a portrait of Harley or, you know, poison Ivy put it on this cover and then Duncan did that. And then like, took a photograph of it and then like they ran that as the cover, like touched it up in Photoshop probably. But like nowadays you see like so many covers are like full digital and even interiors are full digital. Like the idea of having like penciled and inked and then colored is starting to even die out a little bit or at least become like not the accepted standard what it is these days. You know, yeah. like people can make comics in a lot of different ways now, and there is no right or wrong way to do it. Oh, yeah. No, not I. Always, well, because a, a mutual favorite comic book of ours, like it's one of the things that first grabbed me about uh, Nowhere Men, you know, like that, that yeah. cover was just beautiful. And all of their covers, like in the cover gallery, like in the in the back of the book are just like, you know, just the great theme to it and everything, you know, it's just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You, can, you can. Yeah, you can do it in, in, in different ways. Like. The bottom line is like, you just want the cover to get attention. Yeah. And, and like, that's the only thing you're fighting for in like the whole, it's like, if it's going to be traditional painted, if it's going to be digital painted, if it's going to be, yeah. a, you know, pencil ink colorist, like a normal, like regular comic book, like yeah, all that stuff doesn't matter as long as it moves issues. At the end of the day, it's a business 
And like, it yep. just needs to be eye-catching. That's like why, uh, again, one of the main, one of the reasons why I also heard it was good, but one of the reasons why I just initially, like, I think before reading reviews about it, picked up uh, My Life as a Weapon, you know, because like yeah. those covers are just stylized and they look like movie posters, you know, like. They're... Right, exactly, exactly. And this was like something that was, we're pretty early on in. Like, yeah, seeing seeing movie poster styled parodied or whatever covers now is like pretty standard. You know, yeah. people pull from all kinds of different stuff. But yeah, nowadays it, it's like. It's normal, but back then yeah. it was like a treat, you know, it was yeah. like, oh, this is something for me. I'm, I'm a nerd and I know what this is, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fun time. But yeah, yeah Shadow of the Bat 56 I was a banger. I really enjoyed it, and I and I really love getting into the, like the 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 minutia of like you know of just comic book covers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's jump into another comic book, Detective mm. Comics seven hundred three, written by Chuck Dixon, pencils by Graham Nolan, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by Gloria Vasquez, steps by Android Images, letters by John Costanza, edits by Scott Peterson, with associate edits by Darren Vincenzo. This is Howling in the Dark. It is a final night event tie-in, so we have perpetual night happening. On the cover is Batman with a single match's flame lighting the darkness. It's been four days without sunlight. The power's out in Gotham. There's a carjacking underway. Robin and Huntress break it up. Meanwhile, a radio DJ, who I assume is an analog to Rush Limbaugh, is sowing seeds of hopelessness and doom. Your neighbors and friends will not help you through this darkness. The mask is off and man's true nature is, is of being a killer is blah, 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 blah. Batman breaks up some looters. Robin and Huntress break up a hostage standoff between police and an armed group. Meanwhile, Ratcatcher calls into the right wing radio show. And you know what? They really agree with each other. The darkness is a natural state. The world belongs to the vermin again. You know, a normal conversation that doesn't require any introspection afterwards. Not at all. There's a page where the Riddler gets his arm broken while in a cell by a guard, I think. And then he like pickpockets the guard for a hundred dollars. I don't know why this page is there. I don't no, know. No, he, he, he paid, he paid him. He paid him to break, to his, break arm. his arm. Yeah. I, Jason. Okay. Let's set aside, set aside the synopsis for a minute. <laughs> why is this page there? What is happening? I, I'm I'm imagining it's some sort of thing to get him into the infirmary so he can make an escape or something like that. Okay, it's like my my only my only guess. But why is it he? Like why does wouldn't that belong oh, in it, its own story? Like oh yeah, why why they just dropped it in? I have no idea. It was you're right. It was a little weird and confusing. But and it just being one page for a setup for probably a payoff in the next issue is maybe. I don't know. Like, I was like, is this a final night tie in story? Is there like a Riddler thing happening in it? I don't know, because it yeah. seemed like a Justice League problem, not a Riddler problem. Those are two different kinds of problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it it, it probably is. You're right. It pro probably is just to a larger, you know, it's we're never going to we're never going to know why Riddler's arm is broken for one hundred dollars. Well, you don't want to read final night. So anyway, the right, the right wing radio host is getting to his car in the parking lot after his show ended. When he gets jumped, the thugs almost kill him, but Batman saves him at the last minute. 
Batman tells him to radio 911. The radio host says, will anybody respond? Batman says, have a little faith. At the end of the issue, Gotham's power gets uh, switched back on. Huntress talks to Robin about how she's going to keep saving people out here, even though Batman doesn't approve. Robin's like, yeah, cool lady, I guess. Huntress asks why Robin keeps hanging out with her. It's because he has faith in her ability to change. Jason, what'd you think of Detective Comics 703? Eh, it was all right. It was all right. Like, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was it was fine. I still don't. I still have no idea and will never have any idea of what exact methods that Huntress uses that Batman. Uh, she doesn't kill people. I was going to talk to you about this. Yeah, he breaks like, arms all would, the time. Like you would think that she is murdering people left and right the way Batman, yeah. Batman's like, no, no way. Not a chance. She's killed one whole guy and we can't have her part of the team. And then meanwhile, he's like, oh, John Paul Asriel, come on in. Yeah, we'll help you out. I'll financially fund you. And it's yeah. like, that guy's killed a lot of people. Yeah. A lot. And yeah. And like she said to Robin, she's like, you, the, the dude trusted me to like watch over the city while you guys were off like traipsing around the world. Like, <laughs> what, right. what the hell? Ah, man, it's really it's I feel like it's because. We're making comics with the Comics Code Authority and mm. we can't show Huntress being like a, a sociopath. So yeah. we have to tap it down. But then we got to talk about it like she's a real problem because that's what the story demands. But we can't show it because if we showed it, then we wouldn't have Comics Code Authority on the book kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like uh, and I talked about it before when I. Maybe I should actually do that like full series recap of Starman soon. But like the like in, in Starman, when like I think he kills like two people, you know, and like he like has to yeah. and he's like in a war and has to kill like a few more, you know, but like it's never treated as like it, it really is always treated as like a, you know, he had no other choice. But also like he talks about it afterwards of like how he, did, you know, it breaks him up inside and like it and like but there really was no other choice, like all these like. You know, and like shows sure. like it's like so like you could have like an interesting thing there, right? Where she's like just found herself in more situations than not where like she she felt like she had to do that. You know, she couldn't come yeah. up with like, y y you know, but like I or have I, her have her wrestle with like, you know, if we just started killing dudes, like we could get all the crime off the street, like have her like have an internal struggle of being like, yeah. but I do want to be part of the bat family. So like. You know, I could kill everybody in this room, but like I, I shouldn't. So this is more difficult for me. And like, you know, that that kind of like struggle would be interesting for Huntress. But they yeah. never really they never really dig into it. Yeah. And which like, you know, I, I'm, I'm comfortable, though, with like sort of like putting that under the umbrella of like the Comics Code Authority. Like, sure. Yeah. Because because it cause is I what it is. And yeah. They're comics from the 90s. It is what it is. Yeah, yeah, we just yeah we just talked about a previous issue where like the new drug scourge was cheap weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know. But I, I I will say though too just just because he's more like well he's known for I guess being sort of a conservative guy. But it was really funny to me that like Chuck Dixon wrote like you know like it didn't seem like he was like a fan of this kind of conservative guy. You know what I mean? Like 
Yeah, I thought that was really kind of interesting that Chuck Dixon wrote a Rush Limbaugh like analog that is clearly like on the wrong side of this thing for the entire issue. Like the whole point of the issue was like, no, there are people out there doing like the, like the radio host is, is monologuing the entire time about how like everybody's selfish. No one's putting in the good work to, to help people, blah, blah, blah. And then that is in caption boxes overlaid on like Batman, Huntress and Robin basically doing like street level work to like yeah. help the common man. And that's a really interesting story, but it's it's especially interesting because like Chuck Dixon would lean towards that radio host. Or you would so it's or like, you would think, yeah. You would think. So it's like yeah. I maybe his politics has changed over the years or maybe he's more center than right leaning or something, but like yeah. or maybe he's just writing a compelling story. And like, in order for Batman to be hopeful, you have to have something that's hopeless. And like, this was just the easiest way to do it. Yeah, I think it's probably more that because I have I have heard him say like in an interview where he's just like, you know, he's like, yeah, man, he's like, I'm a writer. He's like, but he's, you know, he's like, I'm a big believer in like, you know, the Second Amendment and everything. But he's like, I've written Batman speeches where he's talking about the evils of guns. He's like, it's the character. He's like, of course, I'm going to, you know, write write the character. But like, I don't I don't know. It just, it just seemed like a very, like, like, like he, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it's just interesting. It's just interesting to like, it is to, to, to have that be the, the villain, essentially the villain of the book was like this guy projecting the, the hopelessness, you know, like that was right. the villain. Like that was the main villain of the book. It wasn't like really the street thugs. They were beaten up. It was just, you know, it, people, uh, 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 accelerating other people's like hopelessness and fear was like the villain. yeah right man you know. it's a good thing we fixed that since 1996 yeah no problems with our media or anything no no problems at all you want to no. kick it into batman and robin adventures 13 yes yes i think i do batman and robin adventures number 13 ty templeton is your writer brendan cruz is your penciler Rick Burkick is your inker. Linda Medley, back being your colorist. Tim Harkins is your letterer man. Darren Vincenzo is your associate Edward. And Scott Peterson is your big guy Edward. K-k-k-nightmare. K-nightmare. We begin in a dark graveyard with dark intentions. A group, uh, a couple of goons are leading a pleading man to his grave, burying him alive as he begs for them to stop. This is some pretty dark shit to open up a book for younger audiences. Good thing it's all a hallucination caused by Scarecrow's fear gas. I mean, it's still fucked up, but guess at least it's not real. (laughs) This walking nightmare that... uh, This waking nightmare was that of a security guard. We pull back to see Scarecrow and his goons heisting the set of a game show. Some nerd goon tells Dr. Crane that he's done. Ooh, nefarious. Nerdgoon asks Scarecrow if he can partake in the plunder of cash and whatnot that's, uh, that the more tough guy goons are getting in on. And just as, about, just as he's about to get his beak wet, the dynamic duo come crashing in. With Batman keeping it old school with a nice form tackle and Robin using some pizzazz by beating the crap out of these goons with a mannequin. Way to fight with some style, dick. While Batman's preoccupied, 
preoccupied with some good old-fashioned goon stopping. Scarecrow just floods his face with some fear gas. Batman sees Robin get his neck snapped under orders of Scarecrow and loses his shit just blind with rage, ready to kill. And we can soon see that, you know, in a live Robin is holding Batman back and Scarecrow and some of it, one, one goon is gone. Batman shoots up an antidote, tells Robin that he's okay. The TV executive who Batman was trying to attack because he thought he was Scarecrow uh, is all whiny and moany. <laughs> you know, what a bitch. <laughs> the exec is angry that he got robbed. And on the night before the biggest live event of the decade. All his security is fear gas and incapacitated. They might sue him. Man, this guy has his priorities straight, huh? <laughs> Back in the Batcave, Bruce is all five o'clock shadow of the bat, frantically researching Scarecrow's associate goons on the bat pewter. He's zeroed in on the nerd goon. His name is Michael Friday, electronics man, a small timer up until now. A flash of chaos in the streets burning suddenly filled Bruce's head. <clears throat> Screaming, Dick reaches out, trying to calm Bruce, but to no avail. Bruce is down bad, baby. Back to the TV studio. Scarecrow and Nerd Goon Friday, the only goon that got away, are tying up what looks like to be a receptionist who's been fear-gassed. Nerd Goon isn't too good at this kind of stuff, so, you know, eh, whatever. It's hard to find good goon help these days. While they set up their War of the Worlds times 10 plan in the network control room, Bruce still hasn't shaved and is working with a chemistry set. It's just what I do when I need to quench the unquenchable fear of impending doom. I break <laughs> out my chemistry set. Always suits. Yeah. Alfred tries to calm him down, get him to eat. Bruce is still paranoid and seeing visions of a burning world, death, and destruction. All Alfred wants to do is watch this reunion show of a Beatles analog that is about to take place. Just as Alfred's about to leave to enjoy the Manchester mop, mop tops, and this is Liverpool erasure, okay? I will not stand for <laughs> it. It is. It is. Bruce forcefully puts his mask on and tells him to fetch Robin. Back at the TV studio, Batman and Robin try to convince the slimy, and is there any other kind, executive to stop the broadcast. Scarecrow was there to set something up. It wasn't just a simple robbery. But Bats has no proof, and this exec doesn't give a shit anyway. There are ratings to be had. Just as security is about to escort them out, and I'm sure that would have worked out well, they spot Nerd Goon Friday. <laughs> Jumping down, they give chase, rounding a corner to a control room. Scarecrow pounces on them with his fear gas gun at the ready. Batman clearly still under the effects from before, freezes. Nerd Goon holds a gun to Robin's head. Scarecrow lets slip his plan to hijack the broadcast and use subsonic frequencies that will have half the country ripping each other to shreds, you say, in no time. Geek Goon's gun is shaking, and Robin asks what he's gonna do with that, what with the safety on and all, and this idiot's like, huh? And looks at his gun. This gives Robin the split second he needs to disarm him. The gun goes off. Looks like that safety wasn't on, you idiot. Scarecrow then <laughs> follows through on his threat to gas Batman a second time. This time it might kill him. But oh no, he's gone completely bonkers and lunges at Scarecrow, choking him, screaming that he's going to kill him for what he did to them. And Scarecrow pleads, please don't kill me. And Bats is like, 
yeah, sure, all right, fine, I won't. Wait, this crafty devil already took an antidote, but he sure did scare the crap out of Scarecrow. Oof. He drags Scarecrow's tied-up body out of the control room as proof that he's been there messing with stuff. They have to stop the broadcast. Well, Smarmy TV exec isn't exactly going to budge. This event has already started, and just as the fake Fab 3 are about to start in, we get a classic breaking of a large panel of buttons. Sparks flying everywhere, the broadcast cuts out. And just once in my life, I would like to be in a situation where there's like a large control panel in front of me. And I just have to like smash it up to save the world. Like just, <laughs> we got just we got to stop this broadcast, Jason. Yeah, yeah, just once. Is that too much to ask for? I don't think so. <laughs> in our epilogue, we hear that the Beat Brothers have decided not to do any more reunions for the time being. And that smarmy exec has decided to step down from his position. And inside Arkham, a large, large man turns off the TV and turns to Dr. Crane. He's a huge fan of the Beat Brothers and was really looking forward to them playing. Standing over Crane, he explains his displeasure how he messed up the show for him. I'm sure he'll just have, like, a nice little chat with Scarecrow. Yeah, the I'm sure end. they're just going to talk. Yeah, just talk. Just talk. And that was Batman and Robin Adventures number 13. What'd you think, Nick? Uh, I really liked it. It was very dense. It, there was mm. a lot going on. It, it felt like every other page was like almost a new scene. Um, yeah. Moved really, but it moved really quick and yeah. uh, it was a good time. I, I loved seeing uh, five o'clock shadow Batman, like putting on the, the cape and cowl and it's like, oh, it's Batman, but he's haggard. Yeah. <laughs> worse for wear. And the, the scenes of him like, Losing his mind, seeing Gotham burning were all like really, really great. Again, in a children's book where they were just going to be like, well, here we go, I guess. Murder and choking and, and fire and destruction and yeah. And, oh. you know, a Beatles analog as well. It's, it's just such a wide gambit of like what they yeah. were trying to do in this issue. Uh, extremely fun. The, the slimy uh, television producer, always always a treat to have a little bit of television or movie guys show up in comics and, and portrayed in the worst way. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man, especially then. Like, especially yeah. then of like, yeah. Yeah, the bit where Robin makes the goon look at his gun so that he can punch him in the face. <laughs> very, very good. Very good. Uh, yeah, I, I was just a, it was just a great issue. I have no complaints with it. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought it was a pretty, pretty good meat and potatoes. Like this is kind of like yeah, not nice, the best like Batman adventures ever. Yeah, but like yeah. a solid issue. Yeah, I would honestly like I would use this like if I was like teaching a class on like how to make comic books, I'd probably use like you know issues like this, right? If like here's like what a good standard story looks like, but then like kind of break down like you know it's like you said like there's a lot going on on like every page but it moved like at a good snappy pace yeah. and that's really hard the, to do you know one of the things that i really liked was uh the the you know tech goon and like early on he was like oh i'm not really good with the physical stuff so you kind of set up and then you set that up and then you pay it off with him looking at the gun and robin punching him in the head and you're yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, set up and pay off. Like, this is, like, writing 101 stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, like, you know, it's, it's like it's like those things of, like, you know, like, 
shows like a uh, law and order and like all that are like formulaic right and like mm-hmm. lots of shows like that are formulaic but it's like just because you have a formula doesn't mean a that it can't be good but also b that like it's gonna somehow be like easier to write you know right right you know like as like a, and again especially something as like chaotic as this issue like was like with all these i mean it didn't feel chaotic but that in and of itself is like a testament to like the the the, the uh, uh tightness of of the story and of yeah, like everything yeah. That, I could, that you can tell that it. um you can tell that Ty Templeton's getting a lot better a lot more oh, comfortable yeah. He's like oh, trying yeah. things out and uh, I, I'm here for it. I, I'm excited to see where he goes next. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know. It's, it's just one of those things where like when there's like a band that you really love that's had like three like just great albums in a row and you're just like, God, they're and then they come out with another one. You're so excited and you're like, yeah, it's, it's all right. Not bad. You know, like you'll go back yeah. and listen to yeah. it like, if, you know, and like you don't want to hate it. Like, and you know, it's it did, really, it really hard like to that. make. Like yeah, a, an amazing issue. You know, it's it's really hard it's to make a, like an a, amazing album. Like they're, it's a mid tier Batman and, and Robin Adventures issue. Yeah, that mid tier is better than high tier for a lot of other books. Yeah, you know? totally, it's totally, that kind totally. of thing. Totally, totally. Yeah. Speaking speaking of adventures books, though, Jason, it's time. Mm. It's time we talk about. The the thing that might be a bird plane or or a man, a bird plane man is that is that like bird a, plane man? Are are you going to by Paul that, Dini that that Doctor Octagon song? <laughs> half shark, half alligator man. Superman Adventures issue one, <laughs> written by Paul Dini, penciled by Rick Burchett, inked by Terry Austin, colored by Marie Severin, Severin, uh, lettered by uh, Lois Buhalis. Edited by Mike McAvaney. Bruce Tim on the cover duty this month. Uh, the cover is a bunch of foreground guns shooting at a seemingly super flying man. It's pretty straightforward. Number one, we got on our hands. Uh, they are doing something with like the covers because I saw the cover for this and the next cover and they're doing a thing where like they're doing a drawing and then trying to put like a background painting from the animated series behind him. I don't know if it's working too well. We'll see if they, when they realize that they don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) Personally, I don't think it's working too well, but anyway, it was a pretty straightforward issue. One we open with Superman fighting the Lexo scale 5,000 made by Luther. Superman knocks it off a building and pulls Corbin, who later will become a tallow, out of the mech. Superman brings Corbin to jail, and we have Lois Lane in the foreground as Superman flies by with Corbin. Got Lois Lane being telling the chief to stop, uh, stop the presses. It's a good idea to stop the presses. And we get Perry White in a round table with Lois, Clark, Jimmy, Ron, and Angela just talking about Superman. He has done a lot of good after popping up a couple of weeks ago, but these newsmen and newswomen want to dig. They still don't know much about him. Olsen asks if he can get a staff job on the paper in exchange for these photos of Superman. Perry gives him $50 instead. Meanwhile, Lex uses the data from Superman's abilities from the Lexoskel 5000 to simply 
build a better, stronger Superman robot. It's easy. He does that. <laughs> he sends his Superman bot to the Kosnian embassy. By attacking them, they'll order a bunch of robots from Lex to protect themselves from Superman. Classic Lex playing both sides. Superman chats with his parents, who are supportive about him being Superman, and then flies back to the Daily Planet. At the paper, Clark hears about how Superman is attacking the embassy. How can that be? For I am Superman, Clark thinks to himself. The military can't, can't stop him, uh, this Superman robot that Lex built. A general talks to Lex about uh, options for exterminating Superman. Lex loves this. Eventually, real Superman shows up. Luthor talks to Superman through the robot while they're fighting, mostly about how smart Lex is about making this robot. He's so fucking smart, Jason. Superman eventually beats the robot. Lex is panicked. Superman comes crashing through the window of Lex's office with a hunk of what's left of the robot. He could take it to the police, but instead he tells Lex to apologize and that this was a rogue LexCorp employee who tried to embarrass them both, that Lex is going to donate to rebuild the embassy, and that Lex, uh, yeah, and that he's going to donate to rebuild the embassy. Lex gets off easy and can live to plot again. Superman tells Lex that that wasn't the limit of his powers, just the limit of Lex's power as he flies off. Jason. What do you think of Superman Adventures issue one? I, I like it. I, I always, I always like a, um, honestly, I, I, I always like Superman the best though, whenever, um, he's either with Mon Pa Kent or yep. when, um, when Lois is, uh, giving him shit. Cause she just thinks Clark Kent <laughs> is a big old hazy nerd. Yeah. Yeah. Very, you know, very good. <laughs> this is very funny. I do want to give special mention though, because and and I had to look it up because I forgot some facts about her. But Marie Severin, if you don't know, is a, a legend. She's um she was a part of uh, EC Comics uh, back in the day. Oh, uh, that Marie Severin. Yeah, she also like you know co-created like Howard the Duck and and like helped like design Spider Woman's original costume and was That's just right. like around so just like absolute like legend on on the colors here uh in in this book and i actually i i used to pick up this book from time to time we were talking about it before we were recording because in later issues uh scott mcleod writes a good chunk of the first sort of run i think the first like 15 yeah, or 20 issues thereabouts yeah, people know scott mcleod from uh understanding comics he wrote that uh seminal work he's like you were saying when before we we aired before we got on the mics, uh, that like Scott McCloud's kind of an academic. He's not really known for like his comic work, really. Yeah, it's more understanding comics and reinventing comics. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how his like Superman work like shakes out because I I actually so. I saw that it was Scott McCloud and I was like, that can't be the same Scott McCloud. <laughs> so I went and looked it up and on his website, he writes like a little blurb about how like he was approached to do Superman and he like does indie comics and he was like, you know, kind of like, eh, maybe this will be fun and like was, was happy to do it, was happy with the results. Uh, he was a little disappointed that um, at the least at the time of writing that, that only the first six issues of Superman Adventures have been collected, 
So I don't know if more collections have come out, but he was like his favorite. He said his favorite issue was issue six. So mm. I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah. We'll talk about it when we get there, but uh, I'm stoked. I'm stoked yeah. to read some Superman. I also um, have barely read like any Superman at all. So yeah, me, 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 as, ex- me as well here and there, the bigger stories and stuff, but yeah, not like super deep into the lore. I'm kind of excited to like get into some Superman. However, this first issue kind of a yawn fest for me because it was just like it was classic like right down the barrel Superman story Lex playing both sides but ultimately Superman wins in the end yeah because he's just stronger and it's like eh, eh, I I don't know well I know that like when these books were coming out and I just had this thought but like they were actually pretty like I guess influential on me in the sense of like the way uh, I look at stories because I was I was like fifteen or sixteen thereabouts, like when this when these books were coming out, right? And like I mm-hmm. knew I knew they were marketed to to kids, like even like younger than me. And so it's like, oh, this is baby stuff. But like I was like, oh, Scott McCloud, I freaking love Scott McCloud. I'm like, all right, I'll check it out, right? And this and like like smattering of like the original like Batman adventures, like here and there, like. I really like them. And like, they really like, like 15, 16 year old me was like, Oh wow. This is a nice solid story. This is really like, yeah, it really, it really showed me that like, Oh yeah. You don't always have to do some like high stakes, like, you know, people are going to die or this person's going to be It doesn't have like, to be justice. Like the sun doesn't have to be like eaten eight. by sun yeah. eater to yeah. write a good story. <laughs> In fact, perhaps maybe sun eater was a bad idea. Maybe I haven't read it. Can't, can't come down one way or the other, but you know what? Those, those final night issues drawn by Stuart Eminem, like early Eminem work. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's something in there. That's pretty good. I don't know. That's always, that's always fun to, to see, you know, shit. And and I, I only know this from a text and, and Nick, I like, I'm a gas that like, I've known you this long and I didn't know this about you, but like, it's kind of like on law and order, which you've, apparently never seen never Never seen seen one episode of any flavor of law and order all the way through but original flavor law and order was known for and like what's great about it like especially watching it now is that there is just a ton of like oh there's that guy and like it's it's become this like it, it became kind of a joke where it was like that was sort of like a um everyone's big break like it was so many actors big breaks right because like someone would play like like some criminal who like you know killed their friend or something like that and then it's like five years later they're like the star of their own network show and you're like hey he's on law and order as a crazy oh man like and and sometimes they even like come it's but so it's like it's so great to see as to see these like artists like really early in their career because like you you know you pick up on an artist like kind of whenever right like not everyone's gonna know that like yeah the first time um first time i was looking at eminence work was uh probably next wave agents of hate oh yeah Uh, yeah yeah. uh kind of a complicated read now because warren ellis has all this baggage but like yeah uh i really loved those issues he draws the heck out of that thing yeah i flipped through some final night stuff 
it is not at the same caliber. He is still no. figuring it out. Every once in a while, you get like a little glimpse of like, oh, he's figuring it out there. There it yeah. worked a little well. But yeah. like mostly just pretty standard superhero stuff. Yeah, the the next his his yeah, that that stuff, that kind of style, like his kind of style now, I sort of like in my head, I call it um I call it uh I might have even said this before but about other people, but I call it uh Keith Geffen but went to art school. You know, like <laughs> that's extremely I mean, accurate. I mean, yeah. I don't know if Keith yeah. Geffen actually went to art, you know, but like it's just just that like right. kind of right. late later style like it just really thin it does, lines. It does feel that way. But like, it does feel that way. But like, it's an extremely are, yeah. inside baseball <laughs> joke, Jason. That oh, like, I'm yeah. glad that you and I enjoy that joke. Maybe some listeners will enjoy that joke. <laughs> yeah. And that's about it. That is not for the general public. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What is it? Narrow casting, like, right. Like you would right, not right. believe. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. So, best issue of this month. What do you think it is? Oh, it's got to be Batman. It's got to be Batman. Yeah, like, it's got to be sorry. Batman. You can't, you can't top like that. That's also just like, I don't know. It's just peak, peak Kelly Jones, you know? Yeah. Like, Kelly Jones is like really in a rhythm. I think that he came back from a break because we had a uh, Batman legacy, that arc happening. So he had a little bit of a break for a couple of months yeah. and I feel like he's just back and he is just like knocking home runs after home runs after home runs. He's just rested. He's ready. Like, yeah, Batman 536 was just so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because his, his, his figure, and I know I've said it before, but his figures just always have this great, like, um, sort in, 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 in a, a Renaissance paintings, like, uh, the figures are always meant to be like dramatic and the poses are sometimes like, that's why they look kind of weird and as if, kind of uncomfortable you know because it's just supposed to be expressing this emotion and like when yeah. he really has the chance to do that like with like man bat just man. arms stretched out like it's just this like yeah so good yeah also i've started to notice because we've been reading so much kelly jones that uh anytime he has to draw batman like stealthy around somewhere he draws him as the weirdest little creep in yep. the room like he's he gets into Langstrom's house in that issue and he's he doesn't know if Langstrom's there or not. He's just he just gets through the window and he's got his hands up as claws with cape draped over him, just like hunched over, creeping around. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You, you, he truly looks like a creature of the night. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, all I can. I, 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 I'm sort of like guessing at like what age range uh, Kelly Jones is, but like all I can imagine is like young Kelly Jones in like the early seventies, just like hoovering up, like whatever kind of like horror comics he could like get his hands on. Oh yeah. Man. You know, it would like, not surprise me if he was a big Dracula fan. Oh yeah. Yeah. And just all that, like all that, like seventies DC horror stuff, probably like old reprints of like EC and things like that. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. So Batman 536 is our pick, uh, yeah. but I'm looking forward to reading uh, more Superman adventures. And yeah. hopefully that book will get really, really great. I have high hopes for that book. So, yeah, I think I think we'll it does. see. I think it does. If my memory serves. 
correct, but that's, you know, 25 years ago at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll hold up. Your memory's probably fine. It's probably fine. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I haven't destroyed it with alcohol or anything. No, no, no it's all right. <laughs> Jason. Nick. Where can people get a hold of you? They can sometimes get a hold of me on Twitter these days a little bit. I've been uh, drawing way, way back from it, but, you know, that's that's where you can find me, at King of Black Acid and at World's Second Finest. I mean, it's I'm, I'm sad to say it's kind of dead. I got to get, you know, I got to get up off my ass and, and start uh, start in on, on, on hanging out in the Discord because it's really fun. I yeah, man. I posted in there once. Everyone seems like really gotta, nice, but I just got yeah. Gotta, we gotta, gotta uh, we were that talking habit. about we were talking about uh, Madam Web, which came out today. Actually, to reviews, <laughs> reviews definitely came out about one of the movies of all time. <laughs> I I once was listening to one of my sports podcasts. I listened to. I was like. So some guy was just like talking about what he thought like some team's performance was, you know, that for for that game, and he's like, "I was whelmed. I was whelmed. <laughs> yep, yep. He's yep. like, it wasn't. Yep. He's like, yeah, it was. It was there. It wasn't I saw, awful. And I was whelmed. I saw somebody post on uh, Blue Sky that they said, "I heard that if you stay through the credits of Madam Web, you get to think about your life choices." <laughs> <laughs> You can find me at uh, linktree.com slash Nick Phil. Uh, all my relevant links are up there. I'm actually starting to lean back into social media a little bit. I leaned hard away for a while. Mm. Now I'm like, I really just need this to promote my work. So it's, yeah. it's going to have to, I'm going to have to be on here. Like yeah. as much as, as much as I want to detach Jason, I just, I freaking can't. It, yeah. 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 So I you can, that. you can find me on Twitter on X. Find me on X. <laughs> you won't, coward. <laughs> I dare you. I fucking dare you. Th thank you for listening. Th thanks for listening.